Welcome to the Story in Your Head podcast. Today, Ron and I are going to talk about what we've noticed in the past year, and in particular, noticing how we learn and what that's going to mean for others in the future. Welcome to the story in your head. So, Ron, it's our year in review. And year in review? Of, wow, it's been a whole year. That's cool. It's kind of hard to scary. believe. It's, it's hard to believe and scary and cool all at the same time. Yeah. I don't know if, if I'm going to try something on with you. Okay. Because one of the things that we've been noticing in the world is how things are changing in terms of learning. And when I say learning, I'm like, learning how you're going to take care of your concerns in the future. Okay. So I'm thinking about employees and employers Yep. Okay. and how things are changing in the world and how critical it is that people learn how to learn. So what does that, what does that mean to you? What does that look like to you and how the world is fundamentally changing and, and what to do? Great. So I'm not going to, I don't want to go into anything that happened like before the last industrial revolution, which is a lot of people think of like, like when uh, labor and factories and all that came along. We won't, we won't talk about before that time. We'll talk about since that time. And when I went, I went to school and I you know, graduated from high school and then went on to college. And what, what I really learned really, really well was how to take a test, not how to learn. I learned how to take a test how to memorize okay. things for a certain period of time so that then you could go and pass an exam and get out. And that's what I learned. I learned it really well. Yeah, okay, I learned that well enough to get out of school, right? I, I learned how to take a test well enough to get out of school. But I didn't learn how to learn. I mean, I didn't learn how to, I mean, in science, we ran experiments. And I ran those experiments so that I could get the grade so that I could get to the world. And once I got out of school, there was no place where somebody said, okay, what experiments are you going to run today? Right? No, nobody said that. They just said, did you, did you get the job done? Like, did you get that labor done? Did you get that thing done? The project done? The, the space thing done? Not, what experiment did you run? What'd you learn? There was never a conscious assessment of like what people were learning. And what I bumped into out of school was I, I didn't know how to do. I didn't even know advertising or marketing or finance or accounting or human resources or any of those domains. I, I, even the operational process, right? I, I, I knew my little niche of engineering and I knew my little niche of uh, how to do a little project or a team, right? And that was it. And they had classes. Like, like I worked for a company called Westinghouse and they had these classes you could go take. And I took them all. I mean, I, I, like, like I, I, every summer I was going to Dutton's Mill and outside of Philadelphia and taking classes, right? And that, what I noticed was I, I was kind of alone in those courses. I mean, like, I mean, I, sometimes I was the only student, right? Because like you had to sign up and go fly up there and do that, and nobody else was doing that. And after I'd taken them all, and they had created a few more, but I'd kind of run out of things to do, I was I was bored, and I wanted to learn more. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. You know, and I go, I'll read books. So I read books. Now, what that means is I would go off by myself and read a book, right? And, and then I would go, oh, there's a new idea. I wouldn't know how to do it, and then I would be frustrated because now I had this story in my head that I could do it, but then I would go out and do it, and it wouldn't work. 
right? Like, like reading a book didn't help me get something done. So that's the space that I was in is I, I didn't know how to learn. I, it wasn't a part of my, my embodied practices to continue to learn. So what changed? When, when did you learn how to learn? Well, experiments continued, right? <laughs> and I went back and got my master's in business administration. So here I was 29, hanging out with a bunch of people in their fifties, right? As this executive MBA program. And it was really kind of about the same thing, right? Where we were just taking, figuring out how to take tests, right? Now the teachers had a different orientation. Like you could tell they were doing something different. They were trying to get us to run experiments and learn. Like I, I could see that happening. And it was with some of those students that I was working with, but I to see like, there's a way to run an experiment. Like, like we can run experiments and figure out and learn on our own, like run our own, own examples. And so when I got out of that program, I said, well, what experiment would I really love to run? And at the time, one of my guys who hired on, hired in at the same time I did, he had, a, he had performed things that were faster than I thought could be done. Uh, Brian, Brian Smith was his name. Great guy, wonderful individual and a real competitor. Like, like in a way, like a friendly, but a competitor. I held him in high regard. I went, could we beat him? Like, could we perform things faster than him? And so we got together and we talked about it with, with my group. Like, here's what they said they could do. And they said they did it. And my first thought was they were lying. Like, they didn't do it that fast, <laughs> right? And uh, we all went like, yeah, yeah. And I go, what if they could really do it that way? What if we could figure out how to try to do it? How can we learn? So we, we set up a whole bunch of experiments to run, right? And what happened in the end was, we shocked ourselves because we did it faster than even we thought we could do it. Not only faster than Brian could do it, we did it faster than we thought we could do it by like 25%. And my whole world shifted from, I don't know what I can learn until I go out and run experiments to try it on. Where else can we treat it? What else can I try on? How can I develop myself? How can I develop people? How can I develop a team with that kind of attitude? How can I keep running those experiments to go into it and look at, like shape it from a standpoint of not what did I, what is it? A true warrior, uh, but a true warrior looks at everything as an opportunity, not a blessing or a curse. And that shaped my thinking, like what experiments could we run so that we can like have turned everything into an opportunity. And we went from what was Brian's best time was like 16 days. We went, uh, we were going up to 13 days and we went to 10 days and then we went to eight and a half days. We continued to get faster. And then I, I really found the, the space to continue to learn like how to, to develop and lead teams. It wasn't about the project and how to figure out how to manage the project that, that excited me. It was how do we create things that people can do that they don't believe they can do on their own. Now, what, what I want to uh, opportunity to share this with the listeners and, and you, I went from doing a job, right, and getting paid for doing a job to being responsible for mine and my team's learning. Like that was my shift, mid nineties. That was my shift, mid to late nineties. That was my, like, what can I learn? And people would ask me, I left that group and we went on taking on another group. And somebody called me up and goes, why would you do that? That's a terrible group. That's a terrible job, it's a terrible place. It's not gonna go anywhere. Why did you, why did, you had the world by the tail. Why did you do that? And my response was, cause I can learn something over there. I want things that are really, my stand, messed up. I don't want to mess things up. I don't want my team to mess things up. But if somebody else 
has it messed up or has the assessment is messed up, that's a real opportunity to learn. And I could see that you don't want things that are easy because you're not going to learn anything. And what was shifting for me was how do I take the responsibility for my own learning and share that with everybody else? What, what can we learn? What can we learn? How can we continue to grow our capacity, continue to grow what we can do, run experiments, figure out what doesn't work, figure out what does work, how do we modify it, and just keep learning. And that's how I, it is how I ended up taking on the combustion turbine group. That's how I went on to take a role in Germany because the was a space where somebody actually said this. That is so messed up over there in that group. And I went, really, really messed up? How messed up is it? They just don't know how to do service. I go like, I can't imagine that's true, but I'm going to go find out. So I designed an offer to go over and help out. And there were things that they were much better at than we were. And there were things that we were better than them, right? What a wonderful place to learn. And then when I wanted to come back, I said, well, you know, somebody said, well, that group down in Houston, Texas, is five last five managers have failed. I went, really? I'm interested. And people were like, why would you go do that? Because it's a place to learn. So, Ron, I'm going to, I want to ask you a question because that last sentence was the first time I heard you mention anything about failing. And how someone could listen to this is, oh, we designed these experiments and everything turned out great. And we learned. But how did you learn? When I shared, thank you, I think I said the last five managers had failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's because they got pulled out of the job voluntarily. Like, like, like the, there was an assessment in the organization that those people had failed. Right. And I was going like, cool. Like, why would you not want to go into that? It's a place to learn. And then there's a story you can, that I craft is it, we, we get results and we can learn from the results. So there's like, there's like, you go play a football game and you get results. 21, 14. Got it. There's the results, right? What do we learn? If you want to go into the playoffs, you got to have a certain number of wins versus losses. But it's all about what you can learn. So I'm, 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 I'm triggered because I'm thinking about: Do employers have the wherewithal to accept failures as learning? Are you asking me the question whether the employers in the world have the ability to accept failures as learnings? Is that, is that the question? I, I'm, I'm looking back on my own learning where there was failure sometimes people got fired yeah why why would you do that like let's just let's just run that one to ground mm -hmm. somebody fails big time why would you fire them the only reason you'd fire them is because you thought someone else could do it better or someone else could actually well succeed that, that that's a story that you could bring in somebody else to do the job right but firing somebody because they they failed you just spent a lot of time educating somebody on, on like and running experiments to figure out what doesn't work. So that the next guy can go in and fail because same they way. didn't learn the lessons the that way. the guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, it's like a story of the person that was in that group was doing it all by himself. Like there wasn't a structure around that person, right? That made him fail. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say, oh, that guy failed. Pick him out, throw him out, put in a new person in the same system, right? And they go, oh, be damned, he failed too. Oh, my, right? Oh, well, we'll get another one in there. But Right, here we go. So it wasn't the individual that was doing it. You you just educated the person on what to do. And then the moment he got figured, like, get, okay, I ran an experiment. I got some results. Here's what I learned. Nope, you can't try again. Or you only get two tries. You get the first try and a second try 
If you don't have it by the second try, you're out. And then you can take all the learning that you had and go to a competitor <laughs> and share with them what you learned. Yeah, that is a, it's a real, real space for that. That's a real space for that. And it is part of it is to, if you go into a new place, and I've done that more than I think most people have, and you got to go in it and you got to have some sort of a success. Right? You got to have, mm-hmm. have, have some success. And now sometimes it's not financial. Took a job in Houston. First year I was there, we lost $15 million. And everybody went like, okay, got it. Yeah, that was better than the last guy, right? Now, congratulations on only losing $15 million. <laughs> I go, wow, that must have been really terrible before, right? And then they laid off a bunch of my people. I remember that. That was a fun day. We had hired like seven or eight new engineers, and they came in and said, we can't have an engineering class. We're going to lay off all those people. So then so now every person in the entire organization was scared of losing their job. And of course, you think of high levels of innovation when people yeah, are scared oh, yeah, to lose yeah. their job, right? Yeah, well, they're, they're thinking about high levels of innovation of how to create a new job someplace else in case <laughs> this one doesn't work. Um, right. Yeah, right. And, and like, I go, oh, come on, guys, right? You're killing us. And how do we create a story that people want to be a part of it? Like, like that's that's the, the, the game, right? And that, that's what, what, what it was into. But we learned as we ran a bunch of small experiments, which the group had never been doing. They'd always been told what to do. You do it this way. And I came in with no history, no background. And we started said, hey, you need to run up your own experiments. Like, what are you going to try out? What are you going to do? How are you going to learn? What's going to happen here? What's going to be in that space? And the second year we, we broke even. And, and like the, the group was like ecstatic. And I'm going, like, that's just breaking even. That means we, we added no value to the company, <laughs> except for we are still here today, right? And they're going like, yeah, but we've always lost money. I go, uh-uh, that's not the way you look at it, right? It's just not how we orient, right? It's about how do we make sure we produce more value for the for our owners, right, than anybody else so that they want us to be here. They crave us to be here, and they don't want to let us go. What experiments can we run? And I had to kind of shield the group from all the questions. People were going like, how'd you break even? Right? What, how'd that happen? What would you do? Tell me the secret. What what would you hide? What, what, what where's the last right? And I'm just going like, just be quiet. Don't tell any. Don't talk about it. We'll just keep going, right? Now, I gave them in this world of, that I had called. Uh, we actually renamed a group, so it was one name. We named it something else, but it was really just a group of good people, kind of based out of the Houston, Texas area. And they started to run all their own experiments. They started to run them on their own, like they started running stuff. And they come back because they understood their story. They go there after. And they each became really responsible for their own area. And we had to have tryouts. Like we try somebody out here and we go, oh, that's not that they don't that's not the right place for them. Like like they're not they're not in that world. And so we moved some people around in different places to utilize the assets and the gifts that the people had. And people started to become really confident and successful in what they were doing. And we went on to one year we made forty million dollars. Now, what was the difference? And and this is what I see is happening more and more in the world. This is part of what we would call, and you could call it teal organizations. You could call it fifth business revolution. You could call it people being able to work together right, and to, to create. And they all became responsible. They could do their jobs on, on, like they could run how to learn, how to create, how to get, be in that space. So they could continue to grow every year. Every year they got better. So you took people that came to work, and we've talked about this, neck down. Right? I have to be told what to do, and you 
enable them to see the purpose of their work. And that was what made them responsible for their own learning, for their own actions. Yeah. And I never said to them, okay, you're going to learn how to learn. And what we're going to do is we're going to have these classes on learning how to learn. And we're, no, no. Where, where do you learn? I mean, where do you learn? You, you learn in a classroom? No, I learned in doing. Doing. Mistakes. Okay. Mistake. Failing. Failing. Right. <laughs> and, and it's one of my, and you, you've probably heard me say it before, but there's a movie, Captain Ron. Love the name, right? <laughs> and but and Kurt Russell, who's playing Captain Ron, and uh, Martin Short goes, um, uh, shouldn't we learn how to sail? He goes, nah, anything's going to happen. It's going to happen out there, right? You're not going to learn in the classroom. You learn out in the world, right? So everybody there was in their own learning environment, trying things on, running experiments, trying different things, going into different spaces, and really creating a new space. And people who have never had that responsibility can can like be careful with it. Like they're going like I don't I don't know. It seems like I could screw up and get in trouble and get fired mm-hmm. because they just saw a bunch of people run off, right? And but when you're and what you're looking for is that first time somebody fails, right? In fact, I I race to failure as fast as I can so that I can get somebody in the room and go, "Cool, what'd you learn? What'd you adopt?" How'd you share that? What would you share to other people from this situation? Right. All right, cool. Get back in there. Right. And then people go like, uh, you're not going to fire him or her. I go, why would I fire them? I just spent all this time and money to educate them. Like they got uh-huh. the real life education in the world and they became responsible. And that comes to, uh, I love the captain Ron quote. There's nothing for me that has more, value, reward, and when somebody comes into my office and says, this is what I'm thinking of doing, and I sit there and I look at him, I go, are you just letting me know what you're going to do or are you asking permission? And the, I wish if I had taken a picture every time I did that, I did that a bunch, and a picture of their face when they realized, <laughs> I'm responsible here, and to watch them go through the, the, the story in their head goes something like this, I don't know if I want to be responsible for this. I don't, this, I can be at risk here. I mean, I, I could actually be in charge. I, I could make the decision. And then you can see them kind of look out at you and go, yeah, I trust him. And then they go, I'm just letting you know. Cool. Let me know if you need help. Because that's at that moment, then they're now responsible for it. Like they, they took it. They took the response because they could have said, I need permission. And I said, you have my permission. I made a big deal out of it. You have my permission <laughs> to go do this. Right. And then they go, oh, I don't want to do that again. But how how they now have the space to go out and run their own experiments and learn. And those people, I've met, still keep in contact with many of them, right? They're still doing that. They don't they're like, they're like, uh, sorry, this will be a drug comment. For those of you who don't want drug comments, pause it now. Good friend, Julio Webb, played ball with. He said, try cocaine. If you like it, you got to quit. I go, it's that addictive. He goes, yeah, it is. I go, wow, being responsible is that addictive. Mm-hmm. You get to create your world. You don't ever want to give that up. And I've seen people when, like, I left an organization and they made up a new story that they go, they don't, I don't have the authority to be responsible anymore. They leave. They go, you know, no, no, I, I can't not be there. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps 
you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection, my name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. It's funny because we've spent time this year talking about resenteeism and presenteeism and people like no work Mondays and and get, having a hard time getting people back into the office, right? Like how it appears to me is that these people aren't given the opportunity to learn. They're not all in because they're not being challenged. They're not responsible. So yeah, why would you want to be there? Why would you want to be someplace where you're told what to do? It's, it's safe, right? No, I'm not saying that it's safe. I'm saying the story they have in their head is that it's safe, right? Yeah. Right. Wait, what is the, you could say that if you save money and you put it in a bank, that's safe. And the bank will always pay less than inflation. So is it safe? Losing money. Every year, your money has a little bit less value. So if you think that getting worse every year just by a little bit is safe, it's not safe. Being told what to do means that your value goes down a little bit every year versus growing every year. How it appears is that it's safe for the employer. Bill. Well, Okay, let's let's dance with that one. Okay, <laughs> until it's until uh, there's a better option, right? It's really safe for the employer until there's competition, mm-hmm. right? Once once I mean I don't mean competition for the employees. If you don't have people who are just doing what they're told to do, you have one person directing the entire company. If you have an organization that has everybody creating how to do it. You've got everybody in the organization creating how to do it. So if you had a 10-person organization, you have 10 people creating. If you have a 1,000-person organization, you have one person creating. Who's going to win? The 10-person team will win every time. Every time. And they will have fun doing it. And the other people will be turtled up, telling, telling, you know, telling themselves that being a turtle is a good thing. This is my own noticing. Turtling up is a, a phenomenon that was created when the labor tradition created, right? Like you could work in a factory and you could turtle up and you could, you could put choke cables in cars or throttle cables in cars or wheels on cars and, and then retire and have enough money to live a good life. So turtling up was created when like manufacturing and all those kind of things became possible and it's ended. So there's a window of which turtling up could work, right? I just show up. What are you working on? Five thirty, right? And I and I just put the cars together. Right? I just do what I do. Or you, you design them, or you, you operate the plant, or you do what it does, right? Versus having somebody who wants to create. And when I look back at twenty twenty three, more and more responsibility is being handed over to people that may or may not have been developing developing themselves to know what to do with that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like they could see it as a threat, right? Giving more opportunity 
is different than you're under a threat. Although it's the same situation. It's what's your story about it. Yeah, so how to stay relevant, how to stay in front, right? Instead of, I like I think about the old days where people, like the, your employer would design a training program for you because this is exactly what they wanted you to learn. And like how I listen to you is you being responsible for your own learning. Like that's, that's, you got to invest in yourself. You, you said something there and you said survival? How to survive, how to, how to be relevant, mm-hmm. right? How to mm-hmm. be relevant, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really think, and I, I love it, I love it, not a complaint. It's just what everybody noticed. That's how to shoot for the middle ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Right. Like uh, being irrelevant and then being relevant <laughs> and then creating a world. Being valuable. Being valuable. Creating uh-huh. a world, right? Uh-huh. I'm relevant. Oh, you're relevant. Go, go. No. <laughs> No, create a world, right? Don't shoot for the middle ground, shoot for the high ground. It's one of the things that I'm noticing when people become responsible or be handed the responsibility. They really, like like it's a common story for people to go, okay, so what do I think I can actually do? Or I think I can do 100. So I'm I'm, going to put in and I'm going to do 90, right? And then they come in at 100 versus, okay, how many do I think I could do? I can think I can do a hundred. So I'm going to put in 120 and they come in at 110 and they go, Oh, but I didn't meet my goal. But you're 10 higher than you would be if you didn't set the stretch objectives. Mm-hmm. And they go, yeah, but like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to fail. I go, no, you just learned how to go 10 higher than you thought you could. It's not, yeah. it's not a win or a loss. It's a, there's where you ended up and the results. And then what can you learn? You learned how to get 10 more than you thought you could, but towards, I, I, I just keep going back to the labor tradition, right? It's like, wait for your employer to teach you or tell you what you need to learn versus now it's like this responsibility to grow and develop yourself. Are people ready for that? It's a great question for everybody listening. What do you think? Do you think there are people are ready for that, right? There was, a, there was a moment when, as a kid, when I wanted to learn something, I would go to an encyclopedia. We actually had one. Like we actually had a whole encyclopedia. It was, mm-hmm. it was like it was like an antique that was handed down, but better than nothing. <laughs> and then, then there was a space where we could have a computer. Like we had a computer. And a computer could go, like you could buy the disks and put the whole encyclopedia and search it. It would search it for you, right? Oh, my God, this is so much faster, right? And then I remember them giving away encyclopedia software, right? Because they're going like, well, we have the software, and it's worth nothing because you can just go online and do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, all of these things enable people to be responsible powerfully. Now, because it used to be when you wanted to write something, then you had to go get an editor, or you may have to hire somebody to help you write it, and then then you had to get an editor to edit it, and then all all those things you have to do, right? And now, we're not too far away from ChatGPT and other things, making it to where you can do all of that on your own. Mm -hmm. If you know how. you got to learn those new skills, but before... You, like you could be an engineer or a writer, but you couldn't be an engineer and a writer. You had to focus on engineering or you had to focus on writing. And now you can do both. You can run your own business. Three to five people could be an entire business if you're willing to learn how to do all that stuff. Yeah. And and what happened to the people who aren't? I think we called those antiques. And now, for those listeners who haven't heard my, my distinction of that, an antique is when the value of something is how it brings back memories. 
So if you look at something and go, oh, I remember that. That's pretty cool. The value is whatever that memory's worth. It's not a tool to be used anymore, right? And people can become antiques. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in 2023, we look at, like, what is it that's different? Really, like, before I could see it coming, but to, now it's not see it coming. It's, it's here. And more and more of the responsibilities of life are being handed back to the individual. A question I have for myself and others, are, are we ready? Yeah, it, how it appears is if we rely on what we think was the way to learn, people spoon-feeding us what they wanted us to know to be good employees, mm-hmm. we could really quickly become antique. Versus if we're noticing with others, right? Like mm-hmm. with our connections in, in life, if we're noticing things are really changing and how do we be responsible for learning about that? then we have a chance not to be antique, to, to still compete in the marketplace. To be relevant, yes. To, to create, be valuable. To be valuable, mm-hmm. very much so. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that will be on each individual on how, who, how they create their experiments and what they learn. And do they do it alone? Do they do it with a group, a diverse group, a powerful group? So we can learn from each other. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Ron. Deb, Maybe a little bit about uh, like your learning. What what has your lear- new learning been this year, twenty twenty three? What do you notice in the world, and what do you notice for yourself? It's it's funny that throughout my career, right, I started off like an engineer, dove myself into jobs that I didn't know how to do, so I could learn how to do them. HR operations. All of these things I learned by doing. And that, along with my network, really did teach me how to learn. And there are certain things I learn every day that I didn't know how to do before. And it's that skill of learning how to learn new things will continue to allow me to do whatever I want. And, and I used to think, I used to even tell my kids, you know, if you don't get good grades, you know, life is going to choose for you. You're not going to get to choose to do what you want. And that was just the fallacy of school, right? Like that, that the outcome of a good grade was what mattered in school. But I, I don't speak about that anymore, right? I speak about if you can try new things and really learn and sorry, really F it up a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and really learn you will be valuable to the world and you'll be valuable to yourself. So that's what I, I mean, continue to learn is just how to create what I want to create rather than letting other people tell me what I should be creating. Thanks, Deb. What have you, like, what have you learned? What have you noticed about yourself over the past year? I learned there are things I really love to do and there are things that I don't really like to do. And what I'm noticing more around is not what I love to do. I I got that. What I'm noticing more is like what I don't love to do. And there's some of that that I can outsource. Like I can just give it Mm -hmm. to somebody else, right? And there's some of that I can't. Although I I, I try. I try to go, how how can I find somebody else to do this, right? And make it easier. There's a certain amount of those things that I still have to hold the responsibility for 
no matter what it is, I have to hold the responsibility of that because it matters to how it's done for me, like how I'm doing it. Right. And I don't think it's a lot of stuff. There are some critical things that, that you need to hold the space of being responsible for it, for you, right. your life. Like it's easy to say, well, when it comes to your health, you can't outsource that, right? <laughs> you you got to go do the work, right? But there's some other things in life I'm learning about that, that are that way. And so it's been a good year for that. That And I, I learned a whole lot about how to publish a book, right? Oh my gosh, the amount, what was it? Boy, I'd like a mulligan on that one, right? <laughs> to go back and be starting over again and, and go, oh, I know, I don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, oh, do this, but don't do that, mm-hmm. don't do that. And yeah, huge difference. Book two will be much easier. That's awesome. So Deb, what good book have you read lately that you just love? Oh, man. I thought you were going to ask me about a movie. I had one already. Well, then let's do a movie. <laughs> okay. You know, what, what movie? It's a it's not a new movie, but it's one that every year when it kind of pops up, my husband and I have to watch it. And it's called Music and Lyrics. It's with Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore. And it's about a washed up 80s band guy. Which would be Hugh Grant. Trying, that would be Hugh, Hugh Grant. Grant. Yeah. Trying to stay, and I would say in his words, relevant. Relevant. Got it. And it's just a... You know, I'm a product of the 80s, so product of MTV and watching videos. And it's pretty funny to see, like, their depiction of life after being famous in the 80s. And it's it's really cute. That's great. That's cool. All right. For you, what's your, like, new, different movie that you haven't ever spoken about before? I'm going to go with, my kids call it the baseball movie. And I, I love this movie. And Bull Durham. That movie. Right? There you watch it the first time and you and you just like you just I can't turn I can't stop watching it, right? And the the whole lines that Costner and everybody puts out there, right? Can't have fungus on your flip flops, right? <laughs> Get to the show, you can have fungus on your flip flops and they'll call you colorful. Until then, <laughs> you're a slob, right? Right. And then uh, the, the delivery of the lines is the simple stuff like Rose goes in front. Right. Which is, you know, he's wearing a garter right uh, under his yeah. pants. Right. <laughs> and, and it's not like, what are you doing wearing a garter? He's like, no, no, no. Here's where the rose goes because everybody's done that. Right. And it's like how to be with people and as they succeed or don't don't succeed or they learn or they grow or they and all that stuff. And I just I, I love the lines and that stuff. It's a movie is great. You know, I, I have to say, I I love that movie. I've watched it so many times. I own like every format and I still love the the mound meeting where they're trying to figure out, you know, what to get as a wedding gift. And one guy's got his bat is cursed and like they just got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> what what how I find that so powerful is that's normally the problems that are going on. Like whatever the project is, you're in all that kind of stuff. It's all this other stuff going on in people's heads mm-hmm. that have gotten them not in the game, right? That's the problem is they're not in the game because they got all this stuff going on. So there's so much to learn and be with and, and delivered in a way that 30 some years later, I still got the lessons. Yeah. Yep. I still, I, my favorite one is you're going to have to get, you have to yell at them. Right. Right. 
the customer goes over and sits down, does what he does, right? And they go in there and they, he just starts yelling, throwing bats and scaring them, right? And, and you know, and they get done and they look at each other and goes, you think that worked? Like they, <laughs> they weren't even mad. They were just going, we got to do something to, right? They had to run an experiment, get some results, see what happened. Yep. Yeah. I love that show. Tempted to go watch it now. Although awesome. I, I haven't seen music and lyrics. Okay. You're going to have to add that. All right, Deb, thanks. Thank you, Ron. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.